0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, there was something... Uh, they talked to me about earlier that we, you guys have the information to put up there was the thing about the donation uh, GoFundMe or something you got that so you guys wanna yeah just read that I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a real techie guy but I thought we should just put I saw you had it up there earlier look at that number one if you wanna sew into any of these medical expenses look sometimes things happen right and like you said, whether you see an immediate or progressive thing, I've, I've noticed this over the years. If you won't get weary and well-doing and you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep your eyes on the kingdom of God and why he came and why he's in you, you're going to see him in the midst of everything. And he's going to take things that look really bad and you're going to see a lot of good things coming out of it. I mean, I, I just love Roy and Patty. They're probably watching. I, I thought I could talk about them because they weren't here, but they're probably watching. Is there people watching over there, too? Did I get that right? So are you guys connected to the church next door? Where are they at? In there. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Good to see you. Oh, my goodness. That's just crazy, ain't it? So we're doing like, we got two congregations or what? Are they over there? they really over there? Hey, guys. I'm just trying to get out of my shyness that he talked about. No, but I I love I love Roy and Patty. I've been coming down here for a long time and get to be really friends, friends with the house. And I'm just thinking of some of the core people that have been here since I've been coming and how much I've seen you grow and mature. And there's a lot of babies too, and a lot of them are pregnant right now. So Roy, Genesis one, they got it down, buddy. Turn the page. There's a lot of good gospel. It's, so guys are nailing the baby thing, all right? The fruitful multiply. They got it. So, but Roy, I've always honored Roy. And, and I remember the first time we met, we're driving around, and, and, uh, and he's just sharing his heart and talking. And I just kept saying, I just love you so much. Where did you get that? Where do you get that? And he said, why do you keep saying that? I said, well, you have a mindset and a perspective. And you're speaking from a wisdom that I travel all over the country. I said, I, it's not out there. I don't hear it as clear as you're talking it. You really see something about this kingdom. And, and, and he said, yeah, and it just made sense to Roy. So obviously he's imparting that and, and, and people are growing. And, but he, his little girl, if you don't know, she was in a car wreck with, with Brooke. And, and The young man's name? Yeah, I just met him this evening. It was just a blur because I was kind of rushing, but I wanted to go back in the room. And, and uh, Chaz so it was amazing, uh, but Roy said something. I'm going to squeal on Roy two days ago, and and the congregation. He was referring. He said, he said, uh, he said, our people. That's the phrase. So you know who that would be. Our people. Because Roy's really been doing good. He's just sitting by the bed twenty four seven. But you talk to him, you wouldn't know his daughter's in a coma. You really wouldn't. But he's not trying to be okay. He's like not trying to suck it up and be strong for everybody. See. And here's what he said. He complimented you guys, whoever he's talking about. He said, our people. He said, you know, Dan, not one of our people said to me, look, it's okay if you're not okay. We would understand. This thing is intense. And he said, nobody said that. They understand I am. And they just got this perspective that we're just going to pray through this, walk through this, and we're just going to let God move, you know. And and I just respected that. I thought, this is a really big deal. And... uh, so I just love them guys. We 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 uh, just were up there, and I just saw little Leah. That's the first time I got to see her. Probably the hardest thing as parents is looking at your child after she's been in the head on and got hit pretty hard. And uh, it was pretty tough. I'll bet you a couple days ago looking at her. So it's real. We're not denying that, but we have a bigger picture. Amen. So here's what Roy said. He said, "Dan, I just love the gospel." As we said, he said, I "Just the gospel is so amazing." He said, just because of what I see, i got this piece on me. He said, we've been able to pray for so many people up here, be an encouragement. Just pour into just so many people. And that's, that's just Roy. And, and I like that, and I'm commending that. There was a, a thing there about uh, just medical stuff. If you want to help with bills or anything, you can, you can make it to the church and, and just memo it for Aaliyah. And there, there'll be a fund set up. They're going to do a fund and just try to help with some medical expenses because those things can get outrageous. So here's what I did, want to do before we preach, and then we're going to preach. Let's uh, together as a congregation synergistically, let's pray something for her, okay? And uh, I'll tell you a little story. I wasn't going to say this, but now I feel like I'm going to cry. I'm going to say it. It's because it involved my wife, and I thought, I don't know if I should even share this. Whoever got an impression to pray for something, and you didn't even understand it, but you knew it was an impression, and you prayed. Whoever just felt led to pray something it was kind of a mystery to you but you gave your heart to it and you trusted it was God I'm traveling home from Florida I was preaching and Roy called me I was in the airport he was talking real soft and he sounded serious so I knew right away something was up because I could tell he he was talking soft on purpose so I figured it was wherever he was at that he had to be quiet he was at the hospital I'm assuming so I just said hey buddy it's, just talk to me man just talk straight what's going on and he told me straight up what was going on. And we just dove right into praying. So when I got home, it was really late. And I guess it was after midnight, 1230-ish, 1235 at night. And I didn't say anything to my wife about it. I just thought, you know what? She's real sensitive. She cries quick about stuff. She, she's a praying woman. I thought, I, I, I'll just tell her in the morning. Because we wrapped faith around it. And, and we, Roy and I talked a couple times and in the morning. I told my wife about it. My wife just started crying like, I'm talking, I'm thinking, oops. Because <laughs> she, now she's never met Roy and Patty and Aliyah and Jack. She's never been down here with me. As soon as I said it, she's crying uncontrollably. As soon as, soon as I told her about the accident. And I said, hey, you know, what do you did to your wife? She's, bah. I mean, she was bad. She's sitting on a stool in the kitchen. I tried to, I said, are you okay? What's, man, you really, you got such a sense. She said, no, you're, she said, yesterday, yesterday. And she's like freaking out. For hours, she's praying for somebody to not die from a serious, serious accident. And she said, all she knew was it's somebody we know, and it was a car accident. And she kept feeling like she had to pray against death. And she just kept praying and praying and crying and praying. She had no idea who she was praying for. And we know a lot of people. But this is the only situation we're aware of. And if there was another one, we'd be aware of it. And I know God had her praying for that little girl and praying against death. And my wife's the kind of person, if she hears that, she's going to cry and pray. She doesn't have to know nobody. She just loves people. She would pray. When I told her that, she just lost it. And God moved on her to pray on Sunday. And she just kept trying to explain it to me. She said, honey, it was amazing. I knew I was to pray against death, and I knew it was a car accident, but I didn't know anything else. I said, you knew enough. And I don't know how all that works, honestly. I wish I had all the answers for you. I don't know how you can't just, the accident doesn't just stop. I know the worst accident I was ever in with my children. Well, it was the worst accident I was ever in. It was with my children. That morning, I was praying for our city and praying for people. And I was ready to go into the office. I had office hours. I was ready to go into the office. And and the Lord said, you're not done praying. I want you to pay attention because this is important to have this kind of relationship. You want to have a hearing ear. You want to be open for those impressions, guys. Just don't get busy. Don't get overrun. Don't get your soul out in left field. Just don't get in a fight with a family member and leave work mad for work mad. You know what I mean? Man, make peace. Calm down. Talk to the Lord a lot. Ask him if there's anything that he wants to say to you or anything that he would want you to pray about. Just be God aware is what I'm saying. Because that morning, I often think about that. I think, man, wonder if I'd have just been feuding with my wife or something, which sounds funny to me because I'm not going to do that. But just wonder if I would have been. Wonder if I'm busy. Wonder if i just not listening. I don't know. I don't, I don't have answers for that. And I'm not trying to condemn nobody. I'm just saying God's speaking. And if he's getting our attention, let's make sure he can. Let's make sure we listen. Let's make sure we do what he's saying. Because I was ready to go to work. He said, you're not done praying yet. And I said, okay. And instantly looked at my watch thinking, man, I'm going to be late. I I got office hours. I'm supposed to be in there at 830. And I said, Lord, I'm going to be late. He said, I want you to pray Psalms 91 over your children and mention both their names and pray Psalms 91. When I heard that, it impressed me. I thought, wow, this has meaning. So I took my time and I read every verse and used their names and prayed over my children that morning before I went to the office. I bet you for a half hour it took me. And then I went in and just explained to the staff, hey, sorry, I just had something really heart. That evening, they wanted to ride with me to go open a home group up. And I was impressed with that. I'm thinking they're so little and they want to go open a home group and go with me. And I'm like, wow, okay. So they went with me and we we kicked off this home group and prayed over them and hung out for a while. And then we left and on the way home, somebody flew through an intersection and we T-boned them. And we literally had to, we couldn't get out their side. I had to bust my way out of my side and crawl through a space and pull them out. And we were all standing there okay. So the accident still happened. It wasn't like it didn't happen. And, and the Lord said, "Praise Psalms 91 over your children. It was something like a covering of protection, but yet the accident happened. So I don't have answers for all that. I just know he's amazing. He's good. And if he wasn't good, he'd never send his son when we were sinners. Please don't have issues with God. please. I know some tough things have happened in our lives. But man, God is good. He sent his son while we were yet sinners. If he wasn't good, he wouldn't have sent his son. Yeah? So he didn't send his son to play charades with us now. He wants us in the game. He wants to give us authority. He wants to give us the power of his spirit. He wants us to stay humble and be peacemakers and guard our hearts. For out of our hearts flows issues of life. Yeah? Come on. He wants us right in the middle of this thing, running well with him. He wants to live through us and flow through us. He's not just here to protect us and keep us, and we're not trying to survive. He wants to empower us to shine. And honestly, that's what I believe Roy and Patty are doing right now in the midst of a situation where there could probably be a lot of other things if you'd look at multiple choice. But they're loving on people every chance they get, and they're standing by the bedside believing Almighty God. Isn't that awesome? So let's be people of prayer. Let's be, yeah. Yeah. I, amen. I agree. That's awesome. <laughs> Did you get the interpretation of that? <laughs> that was awesome. It was like, way to go, Dan. That was so clear. But you didn't hear that. <laughs> no, I was just a little child responding. It's just we could all just go, yeah, amen. And uh, please, when you leave your house every day, or when you wake up every day, before you start your day, you might want to check in and just say, I know we pray and stuff, but Lord, is there anything you want to put on my heart? Is there any place you want me to pray? Is there anything you want me to be aware of? Just let me you know I'm listening. That would be amazing. Amen. Let's pray for Leah. OK, they took her off all sedation stuff, the coma stuff They're They're going to let her come out and wake up. As soon as they took her off today, Or she started breathing on her own and her. Brain started activating right away, and, and then they did some morphine stuff a little bit just because of, they do that to, to try to ease her back because of trauma and all that and pain, and pain and whatever. They're just trying to help her come out. So what Roy's believing, and let's believe this with the family, he's believing that God's hand will just be on her, that she won't wake up to fear, won't wake up to pain, won't wake up to confusion that she just eases out of this thing and just wakes up to a loving family and a loving God. Can we believe that together? Yes. And that his hand would just be so on this whole thing and walk her through this whole thing. Because honestly, Roy was honest with me. He said, Dan, the emergency people, some of the people we talked to said, they, they can't believe with the impact she had. They can't believe she made it. That's what they were saying. And, and she looks like she's just going to be fine. We believe in that. Amen? So, Father, we just lift Aaliyah up before your throne in a corporate prayer right now in synergism. And we just believe your hand is upon this little girl, that you're upon her very strong, God, that you're going to ease her right into consciousness without pain, without fear, without confusion, without struggle. Lord, let it be obvious that your hand is on her. And as she comes to consciousness, let her just be aware of a loving family. And most of all, loving God and Father. So, Lord, I just thank you for it. We thank you for it. We just believe that Aaliyah will come through this thing unscathed. That in the long scope of things, we'll look back and say, man, can hardly imagine she went through all that. God, we're asking you to do a work like that, that men would look and say, you got to be kidding. So, Father, I thank you for total restoration, total wholeness. And we just thank you for all the people that get touched in the meantime. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen? amen, good. Let's believe God together. So, uh, okay, I want to talk to you a little. I've got a room of people over there. I, that's kind of neat. That's amazing. How many folks are over there? Do you know? Yeah? Good deal. Uh, and, then, and those folks probably don't know me over there. I can't tell if they're saying shaking their head yes or no. How many people here don't know who I am or have never heard me preach? Anybody? Okay, so we better get to preaching something. It's just a handful. Listen, I'm just going to nutshell. Most people know my heart. I I commend you guys, man. When I first come down here, I remember ministering personally to a lot of folks. I remember some people were just getting a hold of this message of the kingdom. and, And I've watched a whole core of people since I've been coming. I was just sitting here reminiscing over there. I was like, I was just thinking all you people and how far you came and how God has locked you all into truth. Really did, man. You guys are solid. You understand me? Yeah. Now she got her man-of-god husband, and she's expecting. And, and he's so free, he walked in, and he said, I did that. <laughs> I did that. And then we high-fived. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <Whoa! laughs> the door swung open. I saw Hannah over there, and I was like, Hannah? <laughs> the door closed. I said, was that Hannah? She said, Yes. <laughs> I remember, Miss Hannah, when I first came down, just got loving on you and just ministering to you. And, and you know, there's a time in your life you have to trust him. You have to trust he loves you. You have to trust he forgives you. You have to trust that he has a will and a plan and a purpose, that he wants to live inside of you and do something through you. Amen? It just doesn't do any good to sit back and weigh and identify your life through your life. Come on. You can't make up for lost time, but you can believe now. Right? Right? You just can't make up for lost. You can't go back and fix things. But you can get fixed right now with a new perspective and a new understanding. And you can say, you know what? It was a hard lesson I learned, but a lesson nonetheless, and I'm coming out of this thing wiser. Listen, I'm just freaked out by this. I've been saved 23 years in June, and I'm just freaked out that, that this is not just an Easter story, a Christmas story. It's not a date on the calendar, Easter and Christmas, that God actually came as a man and came through a woman. He didn't take a shortcut. He was born. Through a woman, came through her birth canal. God came as a man. You get this, right? Don't get dull to this, numb to this. He didn't just show up in the wilderness and step out of the cactus somewhere 30 years old ready for ministry. Holy Spirit put him inside a woman. And he was like a little embryo fetus, whatever. But he was alive in there. And he crockpotted potted in there for about nine months, <laughs> just like we did. Why? Because he had to come as a man. He had to do it as a man. Why? Because he, he wanted to fulfill what man failed. He wanted to make up for something that was lost. He, wanted, he must think a lot about who he is in us and our future and our destiny and our purpose. All I know is this. My whole life when people preach the gospel, they preached it like it was this unattainable mystery and we could never understand it and God was just in this strange place called love and we're always going to scratch our heads and say, can't imagine why he would love me. Come on, who else knows what I'm saying? I've heard countless people say, I can't imagine why God loves me. We sing songs, we'll never know. Well, I know. I found it in the Word. I have an understanding of why God loves me. He loves me from the beginning for what he created me to be. And love never lost sight of the truth he created me for. And when that truth got lost through sin, he took care of sin to get the truth back on me. He loves me. He loves who he made me to be. He loves what he looks like in me. He loves what I look like when he's in me and I'm surrendered. He just thinks the whole thing's worth paying for. So I'm just done with guilt, regret, and shame, and lack of confidence. Confidence is an arrogance. Don't get it confused. The Bible says don't throw away your confidence because it has great reward. Confidence is an arrogance. Don't get it confused. I'm confident that he loves me or he never sent his son. He initiated. He predestined me. He called me. He justified me. He's the one that filled me with the same spirit to raise Christ from the dead. This is all him. So I probably ought to receive it and go, yay, and probably never look back, probably never again try to identify my life through life, but through the one that came, because I can only find my true value, my true identity through him, because nothing was made that wasn't made through him, and he made me and you and me from the beginning with a purpose and an intention, guys, and that intention got lost through sin. But he didn't get lost with God. So, in the fullness of time, like a root shot out of dirt, dry ground, here came his son. Ain't that amazing? Not just to die on a cross so we can be forgiven and go to heaven, so we can get restored so his life could come back inside of us, so we could put away the old and put on the new, so we could be changed. Not so we could survive, not so we could make it till the end. So we could be transformed, so we could be changed. The whole point of the gospel is transformation new mindset, new perspectives, new motives, new reason for being, a new why behind your life. Yeah? Come on. Wouldn't it be amazing? Before Jesus, we wake up and we need everybody to do something for us, for us to be okay. Especially if you're married, you need your spouse to live right and do right. But after you're born again, you start realizing you denied yourself and it's all about you shining. It's all about you loving. Instead of needing love, you become love. And all of a sudden, you put away the old and you put on the new. You put off the things that were so you can put on the things that are. It's transformation. It's change. It's what the gospel's all about. And if we miss transformation and just make this a passport to heaven, we're going to live in unnecessary anxiety, fear. It'll be a survival kit. and We're just going to try to make it till the end, whatever that means. We've already made it. Yeah. So I preach this thing everywhere I go, this kind of message, and it really shakes people that haven't heard because a lot of times we just, we just hear a gospel that blesses me instead of transforms me. We hear a gospel that serves me or does something for me instead of makes me more like him. And then we get so used to being the way we've been that we honestly say things in the church like, well, you know, everybody's going to have their moments, brother. Well, you know, that's the way we are. Oh, we have a wicked heart. You know, you never can trust the mind. It's wonder God loves us. And you hear people talking like that, like, Ah! He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new mind. He told you to be not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your... That's Romans twelve two. If you look up renewing of your mind, you know what it actually means? It means thinking like you've never fought before. So where are you going to get those new thoughts? Probably from new life. Come on, we were trained by the wisdom of the world. You were trained on this earth, thinking like a man thinks, the way that seemeth right to a man. You treat me wrong, I'm either going to get ticked off, introverted, hurt, backwards, insecure, something. You treat me wrong, something negative's coming out of it because I'm self-serving, self-seeking, and you just did that to me. But in the gospel, you do me wrong, it's a totally different response. You actually realize people don't understand who they are. You understand Jesus, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. And all of a sudden, you realize if people really saw who they were and knew who they were and understood why he came, they wouldn't live the way they're living, say what they're saying, or do the things they're doing. So instead of getting hurt by them, all of a sudden, you start hurting for them. And all of a sudden, it protects you in that place. It's a change of perspective. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on, it'll do us big dividends to start living that way. Because if we're just a people button away and a circumstances away from a fallout and we're just living up and down, we're going to be unproductive. We're not going to be ready in season because it's season. Yeah? Come on. And about the time somebody's in front of you to love, you're going to be too hurt and trying to get over what so and so said. Well, what about what he said? See, I've just settled this a long time. I'm talking a little aggressive to you. If you don't know me, I'm sorry. But listen. A long time ago, I settled in this. I'm done letting what one person said or one person did dictate my life and decide my disposition, my emotional expression, and my encouragement level. If their name isn't Jesus, they're not going to decide how I'm doing and who I am. Yeah? He just happens to be Lord. And to be Lord means the supreme, ruling, governing factor. He's the ruling, supreme, governing factor of our lives. He's the Lord yeah so if he's the one that governs if he's the supreme one if he's the ruling factor then what he says and what he did and what he says about us and how he wants to respond through us should be a very high priority to the christian yeah look i just settled a long time ago i'm just done being hurt you say well you can't just bite your lip and be done no i changed my perspective I let the gospel teach me through study and reading, and prayer to wake up in the morning, every morning, and realize this one thought. I don't even have to pray it anymore. It's just true in my life. I just wake up in the morning and nobody owes me a thing. It makes you so free, it's ridiculous. I realized the biggest lie in our life was us living for us when we're made for his image. We're made for his image. We're made for the light. We're made to walk in the light as he's in the light. To let our light so shine. And if we're not careful, we'll preach a gospel that serves me and misses that powerful point. You know, I've I pastored for a while and I've watched tons of Christians come for counseling and help, and, and they're hurting because of others. Not hurting for others, hurting because of others. And they got people struggles. And well, she said, Well, he, well, they're supposed to love me. Well, why do I always have to initiate spirituality in my home? Well, when are they ever going to take a stand? Well, why is it me that always has to pray? Well, whatever. Do you mean I'm just trapped and I'm going to be married to somebody like this for the rest of my life? That's what people do. They, just, they get that head way out ahead of even tomorrow. Jesus says today has enough of its own. Let's chill on tomorrow. Some of these folks are out way past tomorrow. <laughs> Slow down. Pull that thing back, man. Today's right in front of you it's just panic mode but it's you thinking for you it's not a good day you thinking for you is not a good day but when you think first for the seek ye first the see what the the bible has answers all of a sudden I realized something oh man I've been tricked I've been living for self-centeredness I've been living for me do you know how easy it is to be a Christian for you just be a Christian for your sake, for gain, for for prosperity, for protection, provision. And all of a sudden, you're a Christian for a better life instead of a new one. And you get tricked, incorporating him into your life instead of him becoming your life. What I'm talking about is the only reason Roy and Patty could be over there with that situation and actually be any sense of okay when your natural mind says they shouldn't be. But they really are. I was just with him. He just, he just I love Roy. I love you, Roy. <laughs> Where do I get this, this kind of message? Genesis 1. I mean, Roy's obviously preached the be fruitful multiply part. You should, you should know the part that's right before that. It said that God said, let us make man in our image. When I read that, Guess what I realized? God didn't just make man. He's not happenstance. He made man with intention, with purpose, with identity, with function. Let us make man in our image. He put who he is inside a man. And the day Adam ate the tree is the day he sinned is the day he surely So everything God made him to be died and was lost through sin. so Jesus came, lamb slain, before the foundation of the world to take away sin. Lamb of God who takes away sin. Why? He wants to restore truth back in the man. And you know what we've done with the gospel in good effort and attempt and and, and good sentiment? We've turned the gospel into forgiveness of sins and going to heaven someday. Instead of oneness with God and the Spirit of God back inside of us and totally transformed and changed, letting our light so shine before men. Making peace and showing mercy and walking in love. That's a whole lot different than just waiting for a horn to blow. <laughs> you know how many groups of Christians are on the earth praying for Jesus to come back today because they barely made it through yesterday and today's about too much, and they're like, please, Lord, when's enough enough? Lord, it's getting darker and darker. Why don't you come? Because not everybody's ready. They aren't even ready. They're going to find they aren't ready. There's not a whole lot of fruit on a tree that's just waiting to get out of here. There ain't a whole lot of fruit on a tree that's just waiting to escape. The gospel's not a great escape. It's a great transformation. And if you got transformed, you wouldn't just be praying to get out of here. You wouldn't look at the news and the things and the injustice and cry and say, God, you got to come and get us out of here. No, if you were really listening, he'd say, How about letting who's in you get out of you? Just think about when you're praying. You know what I mean about praying to get out of here? I just think about it every once in a while because I've been around some folks that who I've just been praying for Jesus to come back and get us out of here. And I'm thinking, people aren't ready. That's the Bible says that's why he didn't come yet, because people aren't ready and he's hoping somebody gets ready. Watch how self-centered this is if you're just praying to get out of here. Because you prayed the prayer and you got your name in the book. You're good if he comes. But you're not thinking about the person that isn't ready. So what you're really saying is to heaven with me, to hell with everybody else. I just want to get out of here. Life is a grind, man. Life is only tough if you're living it outside of purpose. Even in the situation your pastor's daughter's going through right now, and they are as a family and you are as a church, even with this situation, this current situation, it doesn't even have to be a grind when you live every day with purpose. And that's hard for some people to even imagine because the whole reason they're a Christian is for those things to never happen. So if they happen, they're so blown out of the water because their whole goal was that they'd never happen. So if they happen, they're not prepared for anything. Watch what Jesus said. Unless you love less. Unless you love less. Your father, your mother, that's pretty serious, important folks. To some, not to every because they didn't have a good relationship, but that's intimate, close. That's biological, close. Mom and dad. Spouse. Children. Houses, land, and yes, even your own. Unless you love less that list, you'll by no means. You'll by no means be my disciple. He didn't say your name won't be in a book called Life. He didn't say you won't be forgiven of your sins. He said you'll by no means be a wholehearted follower that's a disciplined learner. If you don't love less that list and understand the number one reason why you're here to shine and manifest him in the face of it all, you'll by no means be my disciple. Now, be honest. Most people with the messages they heard when they got saved are actually Christians for the sake of that list, not the kingdom. So that list can be a target for the enemy. I'm not talking about Aaliyah's situation. That's just a car wreck. Things happen, man. You go around a corner, you slide. Who knows, sometimes you fall down a step and you break an ankle. It doesn't have to be a demon and it's not always that kind of war. Do you know what I mean? What I'm saying is, you got to position yourself Through truth and understanding for whatever, you pray over your children, you pray for protection, you bless your home, you pray for your marriage, but the number one thing you do is seek first the kingdom of God so that no matter what's going on, your response is always him. And that's how you'll see his strong hand in every situation, and that's how he can confidently say he works all things. How many things? All All things together for the good for those that not challenge him (laughs) love him and are called according to his purpose there's a big difference between loving him and needing him in fact satan doesn't even believe we love him he believes we need him he's convinced most people are just well he's convinced if you read the bible especially the book of job it's a giveaway he believes every man is totally self-centered and only comes to god for what he can get from god and he believes every man will do whatever it takes to save himself. He says it to God right in the book. He says it right to God. you got to make sure he's not right about you. Yeah? you got to make sure he's not right about you. you got to guard your own heart because out of your heart flows the issues of life. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. You have a legacy to write. You're going to stand before him someday. You're called to live by faith. You're called to lay it all down and pick him up. Yeah? So you got to make sure that what he's saying about all men isn't you. Don't, Don't make that the preacher's job. That's not the preacher's job. Listen, look... You know you. When Satan's saying men are pushovers, I don't even care if they go to church. They can worship all they want. Little turmoil, little trouble, little wrongdoing, little backbiting. They'll be broke. They'll be busted up. They'll be discouraged. They'll be angry. Who cares if they're singing loud? They ain't shining, and they ain't producing kingdom fruit. Come on, that's just how arrogant he is. He's convinced he's got men figured out. He's been tripping people for generations. He's been messing with churches for generations. He's been causing hurts, splits, divisions, camps, streams, rivers, arguing over doctrine and theology and pushing love under the rug for generations. And he doesn't think you or me are any different. But I honestly think we can be. And I think we have more revelation than we've ever had. And I think we can lay down our life and surrender. And I believe we can live for the kingdom of God first. And the more we preach it, the more we'll make it possible by at least putting it out there. Now, you can sell out if you want and sell cheap, even though you're not for sale. it'd say, yeah, but brother, it ain't all that. You're a little too intense. I mean, we're still flesh and blood, brother. My Bible says, if I live by the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Jesus said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. As he is, so are we in this world. Firstborn among many brethren, predestined to be conformed to his image. They're all scriptures. I could go back and quote where every one of them are. I just for time just quoted a few. I could quote that many more. That make us one. Now that's a big deal to me. He paid for that. He paid to get back inside of you. He didn't just pay to forgive you. He paid to live in you. He paid to live in you. He cleaned house. <laughs> if he forgave you of all your sin and cleansed you of all unrighteousness, what's left? righteousness, and sin-free, spotless, holy, blameless, above reproach, Colossians 1. It's scripture, not blasphemy. Paul wrote to the saints of Ephesus, not those about ready to sin. <laughs> see, if you don't see yourself for where he finished, you'll never run well. you got to see yourself for where he finished. you got to start where he finished you got to understand that he saw you apart from your sin. The blood of Jesus is speaking better things. You wake up in the morning righteous in the sight of God. That's not heresy, guys. It's what he rules his kingdom with, the scepter of righteousness. I've seen too many good men, good-hearted men get deceived and live condemned and ashamed and false humility and wrong confessions. Well, we're just, we're just sinners, brother. Well, we're just worms. It's amazing he loves us. I'm going to do everything I can for him. I feel like I owe him more. You're, you're not to live indebted. You're to live in love. See, if you don't have a relationship with him, you'll get reduced to serving him. He said, I don't even call you servants. I call you friends. And if I'm living from that place, who knows my life will be doing what he wants me to do. Yeah? Come on, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. I pastored long enough to see too many people guilt, condemnation, shame. The emotions we grew up with, thinking they're normal. They're not normal. You know they're not by now, right? <laughs> like, they're crazy. Emotions are crazy. We think we just got to live with them, they can change. Our emotions. You see, do you understand that all your emotions, everything that you functioned in from the time you can remember, flowed out of a self-centered wellspring? It flowed out of you thinking for you. That's why you were so hurt at a young age. That's why instability just shattered people. That's why when families were torn apart at the top level, the kids were just trashed at a very young age. Going to bed at night scared, watching arguments, stuff, people are making fun of you when you're really, really little. You go to school and. They just make fun of you for something, and and, and you don't have no other way to respond. You either get broken or become a fighter, and at a very young age, you're nothing more than how you responded to how it all went down. Nobody had to teach you to be jealous. You didn't have to study to be angry. You didn't have to take a test to be disappointed. Just came with the package called separation from God and the fall of man. The fall of man. So, Jesus raising is our justification. So, he gets man back up and changes his identity, he changes him completely. Yeah, come on. He doesn't tell you to manage anger, he says, put it off. <laughs> Hello, he lists a whole bunch of dictates of the flesh and says. Put them to death. He doesn't say find a healthy balance and manage your life. (laughs) You get a new life. Well, how can that be possible? How can I just not get angry? Stop thinking for you. Start thinking for the kingdom. See, when you were out there messing up, even when you knew to do right and still messed up, God wasn't getting angry. His mercy and his grace came even more to the tune of the blood of Jesus shed on a cross. Come on. God wasn't heaping up anger towards you. The more sin abounded, grace abounded more, not to empower sin, to snatch you out of it. The goodness of God leading men to change. And now, on your darkest day, he's going, that ain't you, you're so much more than that. I know you from the beginning. I know why you're here. I know your purpose. I know your potential. And I see your days. I love you. He didn't say he loves what you're doing. He loves you, your potential, your purpose, your calling, your destiny, your reason for being. And love has never lost sight of what you're here for. Yay. I don't know about you, but I believe that. Faith, I wrap faith around that. So if somebody doesn't appreciate me or does me wrong or says something bad or does something bad, what's that have anything to do with who I am and how I'm doing today if I wake up for this truth? So I don't even need counsel anymore, guys. And I don't do well with counsel anymore. I just look at people and say, I'm not sure why you're letting that hurt you so bad. (laughs) Well, didn't you hear what I said they did? I say, well, yeah, but why is that hurting you so bad? Because man, wonder if God got hurt so bad by you. wonder if God got hurt so bad by us. We can't even approach him. We're singing to him tonight. He's a bear. The police—they act like they love me. They don't love me. <laughs> Hurts me worse when they sing. <sighs> Hello? Could you picture God like that? No. Well, if it sounds foolish in his mouth, it ought to sound foolish in ours. We're made for his image. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, if you can't take what you're saying and thinking and put it in his mouth and make it work, then get it out of yours. That is good. I appreciate the encouragement. I was just thinking that. Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> Come on, it brings change. The gospel brings change. If the gospel's not bringing change, we're not preaching the gospel. We're not just trying to get men into heaven. God wants to get heaven into men. He said, go, go ye therefore and preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand, which means it's here. Where is it? I'm looking at it. He said, don't go here. Don't go there. It's in you. Every time you walk in love when you could be shipwrecked and broken and hurt and angry, it's the kingdom of God manifesting. Every time you make peace, When you should be at odds by natural standards, you're manifesting him. Every time you see men above what they've earned, you're looking at them through the eyes of your very own father. And the kingdom of God is here. We always think miracles. We always think power. We always think the paralytic walking. We always think the leprosy going. Hey, that's all part of the kingdom. Believe for that and pray. What about walking in love? What about manifesting his heart? What about who God is and the way God is becoming the way we are? Yeah? So that when men see your life and see your light so shine without you trying to flip on a high beam, without you trying to sell your fruit, just let people pick it. That is preaching. This guy has an ear to hear. you guys with me? <laughs> come on, think about this. You just go to work, and for three weeks at work, you're just working, and things are at odds. And people all of a sudden realize, you ain't putting on a show. This ain't an act. You're really okay. And you really think that way, and you really feel. And all of a sudden, they're asking you at lunch, man, what's up with you? Dude, you freak me out. Why aren't you? How come? And now they're asking you. You don't have to have a bullhorn preaching for them to repent. Let your life bring them to repent. Let your attitude bring it. Because if they can't see what you're saying in your life, why would they want what you're saying? All of a sudden, you're just trying to get a head nod, a theological, doctrinal head nod. (laughs) But wonder if they see something undeniable in your life. In the book of Acts, they didn't go around and try to get people to pray some prayer. They lived in the kingdom and then said, Oh my goodness, your life wrecks me. What must I do to be saved, brothers? We're cut to the heart. What should we do, Paul? The prison doors open. The earthquake. You know how it is, and all the doors open. They could have all. You'd think them guys would have ran for their lives. They're all there with Paul. The prison guard, he knows he's going to get killed, even though it was an earthquake, because he's responsible. So he's ready to fall on his sword so they don't do it for him. You let all them prisoners get away, and all the next thing you know, they're doing some torturous thing to him. So he's just going to fall on his sword because he knows how it works. And Paul said, don't you harm yourself. We're all here. This guy is like, why? Because he's experiencing total selflessness. No man running for their lives because they already gave them. Yeah? What's Jesus say? What's Jesus say when you get saved? He said, if any man come after me, let him first what? What's first? He didn't say pray a prayer and make sure your name gets written in a book called life. Look, I'm not against the fact that we're going to live forever. I think that's amazing, but it's because we're one with the eternal one. Like Jesus isn't even scripturally, there's no scripture that says he's the way to heaven. That's what we preach. But he he said, he said, he's the way back to the father. I think getting back to the father is way more personal and intimate and life changing than praying a prayer to go to heaven. You can pray a street corner prayer to go to heaven and still be ticked off and angry at your boss and your spouse in the same day. And be so right about it that you're way wrong hello, but you prayed that prayer, got your name written in the book of life. Maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point is transformation and change. Maybe the point is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Maybe the point is the body of Christ. Maybe that's the point. I bet it is. So I never preach street corner prayer stuff. I preach you give your life, you give yourself. If any man come after him, let him first, let him first. What's first? Why deny yourself? Because if you look in Genesis 1, no man was made for himself. He was made for God's image. That's why, dying, that's why denying yourself is first on the list. It's, it's the prerequisite. You can never become a disciple without denying yourself. What's that look like? You want to get rid of the self-centered lie that crept on the earth through sin. Just all about me, how I feel. Self-centeredness is so sneaky. You could serve in a ministry to feel good about yourself. You could serve in a ministry to get accolade. Yeah? You could could serve in the church just to feel useful and hope to be appreciated. And you're on thin ice because if you're not appreciated, then you're not appreciated in... These people aren't loving and they sing and pray every week and talk about God and love. Nobody's acknowledged me. Nobody's even lifted a finger to thank me for all the time I've given and all the. Next thing you know, you're at the church way down the street with the same attitude (laughs) accumulating more hurts. (laughs) If you're doing something to be appreciated, you better relook at the motive. If you need a thank you from folks, you better wonder why. Could you picture Jesus? I do this all the time. I've probably done it every time I've ever come here because it's just it just fascinates me. Could you picture Jesus going to Golgotha and he just starts analytically running through his mind what they're actually doing to him? And he says, wait a minute. This is crazy. I'm not carrying this cross for another step. Could you even comprehend that? All of a sudden, he just drops the cross. He's battered beyond description, guys. They didn't just smack him 39 times and put some stakes in him. He's beat, unrecognizable, marred more than any of the sons of men. Make no mistake, you couldn't tell who he was. And he drops the cross. Could you picture this? Did you ever read this chapter in your Bible? Where he drops the cross and says, I've I've had it. I am not taking another step. If they hit me with one more club. God, I have done nothing but good for these people. I have fed their hungry bellies. I have healed their sick. I have raised their dead. And this is what they want to do to me? I'm speaking truth in the streets, and they're calling it blasphemy and heresy. They're lost, and I'm the light of the world. And they're so blind, they can't even see light right in front of them. They, kill, they let Barabbas go instead of me. He killed a man. I raised the dead. He causes conspiracy. I'm trying to make peace here. These people are whacked, man. If they didn't change by now, they ain't never changing. And I'll be doggone if I'm dying on that cross for these people. You can't even comprehend him saying that. You know why people say he can't say that? Because he's Jesus. No, because he's love. Don't say because he's Jesus and make him a special man. What makes him a special man is he's love. God is love, a love like we've never seen. You were born into your own rights, your own needs, your own wants. And he said, hey, if you don't deny yourself, you'll never pick up your cross. And if you don't pick up your cross, you ain't following me. You might be singing to me and you might be praying your list to me, but I want you to follow me. Oh, man, that's conviction. I feel that when that was good. Come on, this is the gospel. There's not an ounce of selfishness permitted in the kingdom of God. No man thinking for himself. You're supposed to prefer one another, not have only your own interest in mind, but also the interest of others. We're supposed to walk in love, and love lays down its life for another. Love never lives at the expense of nothing. You don't live at the expense of another. Can I challenge you all right now? Can I just be strong and challenge you? You condemned by this, be inspired. And don't elbow your family member when I say this, or I'm really definitely talking to you. (laughs) And if you elbow them back, then I got the whole family covered. (laughs) But if you're in a family, if you say, well, I ain't living at the expense. If you're in a family and you just have an attitude that's not cool, that doesn't bring life to the atmosphere, and you're putting pressure on the rest of your family and forcing them to have to respond to your attitude, you're living at their expense. The kingdom of God gives life and life even more. If you're in a marriage and you're just doing little silent treatment stuff, just little petty little body language, manipulation is what it is. It's emotional control. Just little, just little, hey, honey. And so go into the kitchen and you just, hey, baby, sweetie. Or it could be the girl, you know. Hey, hey, honey. And you just do a little nod and you go get the paper and you act like you hardly heard her. And she comes over, and that's what you want. So you want her. You want that power play. Now she's sitting on the arm of the chair, and she's around your little ear. Hey. <laughs> you know I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, you're not okay when you're acting like that. You're actually bearing witness that you don't know Jesus like we sing on Sundays, because he would never do that to his wife. It's, good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. He's never going to do that, ever. He's right in the front row. He's hearing it. No, <laughs> Here's what you don't understand sometimes. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. The word submit means yield and adapt yourself. That's all it means. Yield and adapt yourself as you would to the Lord. So you get together and you live in every day 24-7 things. There's things you've got to yield and adapt to. You say, you know, oh, ain't that cute? <laughs> i just bless him, Lord. I just blessing, Lord. And you just keep peace and you make peace, right? That's the only line to the women. And then every line is to the men towards the wife. Bam, 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 bam. And it's crazy how it's like the church, all they know is, wives, submit to your own husbands. Slap that old spiritual shackle on you. Submit to your husband. Do what he wants and wishes. That is not what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Means yield and adapt yourself. In fact, the woman's place, if you look at creative value in Genesis, is to receive the love of God through her covenant man. Which means if there's a woman in a man's life, it ought to be because of the fullness of God in the man. Not because he thinks she's hot or because they ain't getting any younger and she wants kids. Well, I'm lonely. In the Bible, there wasn't even a woman till so there was the fullness of God in a man. And then He reached into the fullness and made what was two one two. He didn't make another lump of clay. He reached into the fullness of God in man, found the woman. She was in there. He pulled her out and made one two. So two in the same love could enjoy being. And he calls it a great mystery concerning Christ and his church and he compares it to a husband and a wife. (laughs) I promise she's not here to serve you, man. You're here to love her like he loves his church. And in that place, there's an amazing covenant union and bond. An amazing Y'all good? That was a little marriage seminar 101. I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no clue. I hope Roy's not watching. He's he's praying in tongues right now. Get him on track, Lord. Roy, I love you. He's probably watching. He's praying for me right now. You guys okay? Here's the good news. We all qualify through the blood, and we're all in, because he said, if any man come after me, come on. This message is exactly for you, and it's exactly for me. And it's never old, and it's never a repeat, and it's never, hey, brother, how about some fresh manna? <laughs> how, about, how about if we become the word we've heard and be likened unto wise men? And when the storm comes to bust down what God built, nothing can touch it. Because it's on solid ground. Yeah? Because if you look at the wise man and the foolish man, one heard and became and the other one heard and didn't apply nothing. The storm wasn't trying to kill the occupant of the house. The storm was trying to destroy what God was building through the word. And then you take adversity personal and miss the whole point. Why is all this happening to me? And you're a dead giveaway. It's still all about you. Well, how come I got to go through all this? Well, every time I think I get through something, then another thing hits. I'm just tired. You're giving yourself away. There's things out there listening, like roaring lions seeking whom they may devour. And then because your attitude's already wrong and your mindset's wrong, more stuff keeps coming. And then you say, why is God letting all this stuff happen to me? He's not. You're positioned for it. He's like, no, oh, read your Bible, stop, oh. he's trying to get the plane over to this gate, and you're going down the, you're, you're on the incoming runway, <laughs> not that, no, come on, Satan, he's roaming around like a roaring lion. What's his goal? Seeking whom? 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 He's looking over the room. Who's in unbelief? Who loves themselves? Who's discouraged? Who's in this for their own gain? Who has attitudes? Who has weakness? I'll find it out. I'll mess with it. I'll bring them down. Why don't we be like Jesus? Here comes the rule of the world. He got nothing in me. Why? Because I don't love myself. I'm surrendered to myself. I love God. I love his kingdom. And I love people. So he can't touch that. Yay. Yay. So even if you have adverse circumstances and adversity, so we speak, it just brings a shine out in you. It brings more of a response to God. It positions you to manifest him no matter what the analogy. Especially this people stuff. People issues. I was coming in, I was coming in, I think it was Route 29. When I got off of 85, I think I turned on, it's like 12 miles into Greer. I think it was on, it might have been on 85, but I think it was early on 29. It said, Real Christians, do you ever see the billboard out there? It says, Real Christians love their enemies. I said, (laughs) Ah! I was driving, I went, (laughs) Ah! Ah! That's the gospel. Real Christians love their enemies. What that means is people that appear to be against you because your war is not flesh and blood. Your war is not people. You know what your biggest war is? <laughs> you living for you. But Your biggest war, your biggest fight, your biggest battle is stand in faith and stand in perspective. That's kingdom-minded when everything else is going the other way. You fight the good fight of? You stay in a perspective that brings life in the face of it all. You stay productive. You stay in a productive mindset. You stay positioned. You stay anchored. Your biggest fight is remaining in a perspective that sees truth in the face of every challenge. Your problem's never people. It's you letting where people aren't decide where you are. That's a problem. Letting what people don't see decide what you do see when he's the light of the world. Come on. Come on. I just want to let Jesus be everything to me because we sing that stuff, don't we? Don't we say he's our everything? Come on. Do we sing that kind of stuff in church? Then you be real with me. What does that mean? Come on, am I taking this too far? Absolutely not. Christ in me, the hope of glory. As he is, so are we in this world. That's 1 John 4, 17. The whole chapter, he's love, he's love. You know what, you know what 4, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says? He says, if you love, you're born of God and you know God. He says, if you don't love, you don't know God. Now, he didn't say you don't pastor. He didn't say you don't lead worship. He didn't say you don't go to church. He didn't say you didn't pray the prayer to go to heaven. But he did say if you don't love, there's one reason, not two. One, not two, one. If you don't love, you don't know him. And this is eternal life that you might. See, eternal life isn't praying a prayer to go to heaven. Eternal life is getting back to the Father. Now, you be sincere and pray the prayer. All the prayer is is the prayer of salvation. I'm not dishing on the prayer of salvation, guys. If it sounds like it, I'm not. I'm saying let's preach a whole gospel. Let's stop trying to get men to heaven and let's make sure they die first. (laughs) Like if you don't die, you can't live. So if you just want to pray a prayer to go to heaven, yeah, great. No, no, no. You teach people they're dying. It says, you died. Your life is now hidden in Christ. He says, should we continue in sin so grace abounds, Romans 6? Of course not. How shall we who died to sin? There's things you died to so you can live to. That's what water baptism is all about, guys. You're dying to everything you've ever been, everything ever done to you, everything you've ever done. You're dying in the likeness of his death. He died to sin once for all. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then you come up in the newness of life. Even as God raised Jesus from the dead by the glory of the Father, you so come up newness of life. Woo! That sounds a little different than a prayer to go to heaven. Yeah? The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives unto God. Verse 10, verse 11. Likewise, you. What's he doing? Making us one. He preaches Jesus and then says, you therefore. What's he doing? Making us one. Isn't that amazing? It's right in Romans 6. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin and alive unto God. So that means the Christian is never to wake up and try not to sin. He's to wake up and enjoy being his. And in a righteous concept and perspective, it will empower him to live freer from sin than he's ever lived before. So he's not trying to be a good boy. That's works, right? And then you're going to feel like you're failing. And if your heart's really pure, you'll get condemned because you'll believe you're not living up to your desire. But if you wake up and just know you're accepted, that know you're washed, know you're cleansed, know he loves you, and know that what Jesus did is enough, and you stand holy, blameless, and above reproach, and you've pulled the veil back, and you're one with him. Woo! That's a good way to start the day. Because you ain't trying to make up for nothing. You've arrived. You're in him. Because he rose from the dead. You're justified. And every day he says, I love that boy. I say, thank you. (laughs) And all of a sudden I leave my house and I'm not trying not to sin. And I'm not trying to be loved by you or love you. I'm being loved by God. And if I know him, guess what I'll do? I'll love. If I don't love, it's because I don't know him. But if I know him, guess what I will do? That means I can't have relationship with him and get close to him without being impacted and empowered by who he is. He's that amazing. Now, guess what love is? Love doesn't seek its own. Remember? Selfish. Love doesn't seek its own. And guess what else love doesn't do? It takes no account of the wrong done to it then why is all our counseling sessions all about what people did wrong to each other? It's an indictment that we don't understand love. We're living for fairness. Look, even if we have to address some things, it shouldn't always be because we're hurt, broken, and ready to leave the, the herd. <laughs> Do you understand we're to be a family? And love covers a multitude. So I'm not talking about enablement talking about covering. I'm, I'm talking about not spreading bad stuff. I'm talking about not gossiping. I'm talking about not getting so introspective and musing on it and laying all night in your bed and running it through the ticker tape of your mind that by the time you wake up in the morning you're not even sure you like that person anymore. Hello. Finding the capacity through truth to actually weep in your bed and no forgive them, Father. Does that word sound familiar to anybody? A totally innocent, most incredible. Do you think Jesus was right? Do you think he was pure? Do you think he was perfect? Do you think he deserved this kind of death? Do you think it was the biggest injustice ever? That Jesus said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They're blind. They're deceived. Why can't we follow him? Why can't we realize if, if, you, if, you, if your parent really knew who they were, they'd have knew who you were? See, we're always trying to drink. See, so some people say, well, you don't know what it was like. They're 45 years old sitting in church, and they say, well, great message, Pastor, but you don't know what it's like, pal. You don't know what it was like growing up in my home. You're 45. You're not growing up in your home. There is a problem here. And you've been going to church for 15 years. Hello? I'm not being insensitive. Come on. What good would it do to tell my junk and my stuff? Look, my dad wasn't home. He was alcoholic. True story. He never said I loved you. I've never heard my dad in my whole life say I love you. In fact, when he was drunk, I'd have to pick him up and ride him home, and he'd curse me on the way home and tell me I'd never be nothing. Why? He was a dry cup. He was hurting. He's taking his pain out on me. When I'd do something good, he'd badmouth it. He'd never acknowledge it. My mom, sick for 40 years of my life and died young. Can you tell that when you look at me? Well, you're not supposed to. None of that has anything to do with who I am, not even remotely. Has nothing to do with who Christ is inside of me. Yeah? In fact, in fact, when I got saved, my dad screamed at me. Some people had good dads. That's what makes things hard. You guys had a good dad. You guys knew Carl. He's a good dad. That's an example. He's sitting here because of Carl from New Hampshire, aren't you, Matt? He came over to meet me and got all teary-eyed. I'm thinking, when somebody's getting teary-eyed just to say hi, he sent me an email and said, Carl prayed for me and fasted for me, and I had a breakthrough in deliverance in my life. <laughs> selfless. If you're fasting and praying for somebody else, that's self. I didn't have a daddy like that. But watch this. These guys had a great daddy. They have a different challenge. Daddy's not here now. So now they've got to spring off everything daddy invested in. This is where faith kicks in. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what you have faith for. So that you don't ask questions that supersede revelation. You live from what you know, not what you don't understand. You live from what you know. Not what you don't understand. Because if you ask enough questions, you'll get yourself confused and it will overtake the revelation you already have. And it'll get cloudy for a season. Don't ever do that. When you experience loss. They have a different story. They had an amazing dad. That's what hurts so bad when something happens like happened. I had a total opposite situation. But watch. Neither one of us can compare our stories. Neither one of us have any less of a privilege to do well, run well, and be loved by God. We have the same exact platform and foundation. Totally off the wall, different stories, but the same truth pursued and the same outcome. Yeah, so the goal is you look at them and you see Jesus. You look at me. You'll see Jesus. So I guess we got some things in common. His name is Jesus. Because see, when I got saved, their daddy's fasting and praying for people. When I told my dad I got saved, he screamed at me and pointed his finger and said, I'm on a pink cloud and it's going to crash. And who do you think you are? But guess what? I didn't get saved for my dad's approval. I didn't get saved for him to say, I'm proud of you. I got saved to get saved I got saved to get right and because I got right when he didn't understand it didn't change a thing because I didn't get saved for him to understand it I didn't get saved for him to say the right thing and I didn't pray that he says one day he loves me that can be idolatry guys you're living for somebody to make something wrong right when it's already made right you're finding your identity through the earth not him all of a sudden, you're just on this long quest just to pray for your dad to appreciate you. And then when finally one day he says the thing you've been longing for, you just, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. So you have to go through that hoop to be free? I thought you were already free. My dad doesn't have to make up for a thing. So he's screaming in my face. I didn't know what was going on. I just got saved. I'm 12 hours old in the Lord. I walked in the house. Mom, Dad, I want to tell you what happened to me last night. I barely got it out. He said, who do you think? My mom said, guys, you need I said, Mom, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what I said. I'm just backing out. See ya. Bye. I'm 12 hours old. That's like, I get to the door to leave, and I'm talking to the Lord like he's there, like he just might hear me and maybe answer. Just talking to him like he's there. I said, Lord, that was strange. I don't even know what's going on. My dad was freaking out. I don't even know what I did. What's going on? He spoke to me right there at the door. I stopped. He said, your dad has a belief his whole life. You violated his belief. It's a form of pride. I went, what? He said, he believes it's offensive for a son to teach a dad. It's only a place for a dad to teach a son. He felt like you stepped out of place. He took it personal. He felt like you upstaged him, and were trying to teach him. I said, but that's a weird belief. And the Lord didn't say anything. So I just turned and went back in. (laughs) He didn't tell me I couldn't. So I probably could. You might have a yes unless you hear no. We're looking for yeses. You might have a yes. I heard the gospel's yes and amen. (laughs) You're looking for a yes because your apprehensions are the no. (laughs) I opened the door. Watch what the wisdom of God will do. I'm 12 hours old in the Lord. My hair wasn't this white back then. I didn't have the wisdom I have now. (laughs) It was just plain old blonde. (laughs) Open the door. When the person you're mad at leaves, then what do you do with all your frustration? Take it out on the person still there. So guess who's taking the frustration now? Guess who the soundboard is? You're right. My mom. He's screaming at her. Open the door. They heard the door open. They looked up, and he got quiet. I said, hey, Dad, I'm really sorry. I didn't even realize what I did. It just hit me. And you've always felt in your heart that it's only a place for Dad to teach a son, not a son to teach a dad. Dad, that wasn't my intention, but here's what I want you to understand. What's what the Lord had me say? <laughs> dad, I'm not three, and I'm not 13. I'm 33. And there just might be a day in our lives where I see something you never saw, or I know something you've never known. And, Dad, it's just okay. Love you guys, and I left. Didn't even give me a chance to say nothing. Just left, like the wind. <laughs> Twelve hours old, living by the spirit. <laughs> Didn't even know what I was doing. I was just... <laughs> three days. Three days. Jesus. Three days. Stone rolled away. Three days. Brrr, phone rings. Three days. Hello, my dad. Hey. Hey. Woo crying like you ain't never heard. I said, what's going on? What's wrong? Nothing. I just need to say I'm sorry. I said, what do you mean? He said, I was so out of order the other day. And when you walk back in the house and said what you said to me, he said, the words, the words that you spoke, I can't get them out of my head. He said, they're in my head at night. They're in my head in the morning. I can't get them out of my head. And I just want you to know, I am so, my dad. I said okay well cool dad it's okay thanks for being home. thanks for calling hey i love you love you he doesn't say i love you I, says, I love you we hung up four 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 five don't don't quote me on this four five months somewhere around there i'm over at the house i stop in hey i'm leaving it's his habit to always walk us out onto the porch and stand there we go get in our car and pull out He go in on this day, I come out, and he grabs my arm by the back. I look, and he's crying. Four or five months, somewhere around there. I said, Dad, what's going on? Watch. He said, I'm just so proud of you. Never said that ever in his whole life. And thank God I wasn't living for the moment, because I wouldn't have been ready. I'd have already been down. I've been scratching fleas. Manifest. It's great if your parent encourages you but once you get in Christ you're not living for those things you're super encouraged in him and you're a blessing and you don't have any deficit I wish we could believe that maybe we could can we please believe that he said I'm so proud of you I said that's awesome dad he said no you are a changed man he said, "Everything you've said, everything from the beginning, I've been watching you now for these whatever four months or whatever he said, I think it was four. He said, uh, he said, "You're totally changed, and I'm just so proud of you." And he's crying. It was hard for him to do that. I wasn't a mess. I wasn't crying. I was like, "Dad, that's awesome." <laughs> I just took his shoulders and said, "That's awesome, Dad. So if you say to me, what about you?" And I just went after him. <laughs> so what about you, Dad?" Do you know that my dad got born again through my salvation? Because I'm not a hurting, angry, unloved child by my dad. Jesus lives in me. Forgive him, Father. He doesn't know what he's doing. It would be great if he loves me, but I'm not living for that day. I'm living for this day. You love me, and it's amazing, and now I can love him, not need him. That's healthy. So guess what? My dad got saved through my salvation. Yay. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? And didn't require anything on his end to change. I didn't ask for anything from God from him. I didn't ask for made up time, lost time. Please don't get caught in that stuff, guys. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Don't let yesterday steal your present and things to come. Because you're his bride. But if you let yesterday, you'll be Lot's bride. You'll do what Lot's wife did. You'll you'll look back and get stuck between where you came from and where you're going. And you'll never get to where you're going because you're not Lot's wife. You're his bride. So you look up from whence comes your help. You can't say, yeah, but when I was really young, I got touched wrong. You don't understand. I get it. I get it. That's not me. It's not you. That's, that's, that's perverted, twisted, sin-driven, self-driven, delusional. That's just stuff out there in the earth and people trying to reproduce itself and just wipe out people like a plague and identify you through what happened to you instead of identify you through what happened to him. And all of a sudden, you're busy just telling your story instead of his. Come on. Here's how I know what I'm saying is right and not insensitive. We can go through this whole room and take our time and go one by one and just take all night and just tell our stories. And by the end, we're going to find out who's been through the most hell who had the worst role of it, right? But once we do that, then what? At best, just feel extra sorry for them because they have the worst story. And then get the worship team up here and sing it's all about heaven when we just made it all about what we've all been through. See, you never look at the hell to find him. You look at him and then you don't even see the hell. You get it? I was in a service like this just like this. And I got on this topic so strong that I'm on right now. I mean, intense strong. Like, you have no idea. And I used illustrations and I was preaching like it was intense because I was even thinking, Lord, this is too much. This is too intense because you, you, you don't want people to crush and think you're being insensitive to their trauma. Some people have been emotional. There's sexual ritual abuse stuff. There's all kinds of stuff out there. There's people that at a young age were made to sleep with people to to get pregnant. I just met one. She got pregnant, and then they take her babies and sacrifice them, and then they get her pregnant, and I forget how many babies she had that they sacrificed to demons. So she was their baby producer. It's real. It's nasty. It's awful, but in some way, you got to be able to talk to them And not be insensitive and make this like it's never happened or no big deal. Because the ultimate goal is Jesus can make it like it never happened because of what they see. But you got to bring them without being insensitive out of this thing. Without them identifying through it and feeling like they need to stay here and talk and go back and this and that. Yeah, but you got to get them over here and show them who they really are. Yeah? I mean, I was just in one of those. So, so this lady was in the, in the service. She was sitting right about here where you guys are. And I'm preaching like this. And I'm saying, it doesn't matter what you've been through. And it, was that, it sounded insensitive. And I, in my mind, I'm going, Jesus, please, oh, Lord. But it just kept coming. And you say, oh, you can help out. I, yeah, you don't understand. Sometimes it just comes, right? So this girl starts screaming. And she starts throwing up. It was awful. I wish that would never happen. I don't even know why that has to happen. They don't like it. People are like, "Ooh, man, they got delivered. They were throwing up." I'm thinking, "Ah, Jesus can deliver you, and you don't even burp." I just don't. I don't ever like burps either, man. I'd rather the air come out the other end than a burp. I, I just never was a fan of burping, man. A good old that's better than a. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Okay. All right. We're just being a little lighthearted because I'm telling a heavy story. So it's it's your anesthesia. So cause this story's so intense, you see now the laugh will just come right out of the room. So that, that just so we got a little anesthesia. A little laughing gas. <laughs> Never said anything like this from the pulpit in my life. So this little girl, I just had some people love on her, just just hold her, it's okay, and I just kept bringing it after it was over i sat with her and wrapped my arm around and i said you okay she said yes i said what's going on with you she said when i was six years old living in guatemala i heard screams and shrieks in my little village i had my puppy out in the jungle i grabbed my puppy and ran to my village and i peeked through the bushes there was these men with machetes they had my whole family lined up for my dad, my mom, and my 11 siblings. And they were shouting out to the people to renounce Christ, and no one in my family would. And they yelled and said, let this be a sign to you what will happen if you serve this Jesus. And she said, I watched as a six-year-old and execute my dad, my mom, And then from the oldest to the youngest sibling, all 11. And she said, it didn't stop there. They took them by cable and stretched them up and hung them at the gate of our village as a reproach and a sign what would happen to anyone that would worship Jesus. And we think we had it tough. There's always somebody with a story that blows you away. I said, well, what was going on? She said, as you were preaching, as you were sharing, I realized, she was in her 20s, she said, I realized how deceived I've been. I said, what do you mean? She said, I realized that 11 siblings didn't die that day, 12 did, because since that day I've been angry at God, and I've shut up my heart, and I've been hurt, and why did you let this, and how could you let my family, and why, and she said, he's been my enemy. And today, when you were preaching, I realized I've allowed that moment to decide my life. And I've been living alive yet dead ever since that day. And she said, today I got set free. And I forgave God because he didn't even need forgiven. And I got my life in him back. It was intense. And it didn't take a year of counseling. It took Holy Spirit-led preaching and truth. <laughs> shattered through lies because that history you can't how do you even explain a story like that you don't if i would have even knew anything about her story i wouldn't even talked about the subject and here i am god is so confident in this truth i'm ignorant to her situation and i'm just if somebody was sitting there and knew her story they're cringing because i'm way out of order But God didn't think he was out of order. And he just kept her coming. Yeah? And she went free. I don't know about you, but that's impressive to me. I don't think it's sympathy that comes from the kingdom of God. I know there's a level that we can show. But I don't think it's sympathy that's going to bring healing. I think it's truth. Just feeling bad for each other is never going to help each other but calling each other into a higher place, a new place. Yeah? I've been in adultery situations with people and right in the middle. I've been in homes as a pastor and the spouse is in another home while we're standing there. They're in another home in another bed. And I can't afford to cry with you for more than 20 seconds. I'll let you know I care enough. I'll cry because I can cry right now because this stuff happens. But... Crying for you will never help you. But I'll cry because I can for 20, 30 seconds just so let you know that, look, I wish they didn't make this choice, but please don't you become a product of what they chose. And don't you get marked and stereotyped and get weird and crazy in your identity and let your hurt drive you and let your anger drive you. And in a minute, in a minute's time of being in the house, I have my hands, whether it's the man or the woman on the shoulder looking at them right now. No matter what they did, you're no less anointed, no less called. You have no less destiny on your life. Don't you let what they did decide who you are today. What Jesus did is the real you. Get your eyes off of this for a second. There's things we have to walk through. There's things that involve with the kids. We'll pastor you through this. But here's where I need you right now. You're either a woman or a man, whatever you are. You're either a woman of God or a man of God. And what they decided has nothing to do with who you are right now. Be honest. Yeah. Those kind of situations steal our productivity sometimes and we never even get it back. Yeah. Yeah. We become labeled. We never get resolved. Then we get other desires because then we feel alone or hurt or broken. But then we bring all that into the new relationship. Uh. Come on, I'm just saying. <laughs> just be good to be okay. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm quitting. I hope you're getting something out of something. I'm just talking about some stuff. It comes on my heart. and I'm just talking about it. Look, some people have made some really bad mistakes in the house of God. Some people are married to people that don't seem to care. Don't let that change who Jesus is to you. And let your light so shine. Yeah? Man, when I got on fire for God... You would think whoever saw that, who whoever saw the movie Fireproof. I, I thought it was a beautiful movie. But I was just there was one part that I just was like, wow, I just wish it was like that. It would be so beautiful. Every guy that was turning and committing and surrendering, all of his family was excited and embracing him and celebrating. And that ain't the way it hardly ever is. I've seen people get so lit up on. For God that the spouse gets threatened by well we've been going to church well I think you're taking this to stream honey why do you got to read your Bible three times a day and all of a sudden they're looking for what's wrong and I've seen spouses come at spouses when they have the most biggest encounter they've ever had and their very own spouse will come against it because they don't understand it I've seen it happen with kids and all of a sudden they think their child's in a call now they're when I got saved My dad and brother were scheming. They were thinking about how to come to a service, see what I was in, and see what people I was hooked up with. And I was already a mess before I got hooked up with people because I was in my bedroom with Jesus, and he was touching me in there. And then I got hooked up at a church, and I was already in some of the church wasn't even ready for me. (laughs) I remember going to church when I was a little guy. My mom would drag me to church and make sure I went to church. And this pastor said, uh about coming to church don't you come to church and do do things here that you wouldn't be doing at home like worship putting on a show whatever he said because that wouldn't be cool you're going to teach yourself religion and i thought whoa that's convicting so now i'm at home doing all this stuff and i went to church and i couldn't do it at church it was too much (laughs) so all of a sudden i couldn't do what i was doing at home at church He said, make sure you're doing what you're doing at church at home. And I couldn't do at church what I was doing at home. I had groups of people, some of them spiritual people that, you know, they're like, oh, Jesus. They were sitting all around me. They wanted to sit close to me during worship. But then I had a, a whole bunch of other people sitting way over, wondering why I'm so loud. And you distract me. And I can't concentrate in worship. You ain't even singing what they're singing. I got all kinds of complaints. And I was just saved. I was just thankful. I was excited. It meant something to me. I look up on the board and it wasn't a Sunday song. It was my life, my encounter, my change. And I was like, oh. The worship leader loved me. He'd come over, he'd say, Brother, you just keep doing what you're doing. He said, We're in the second course and I don't even know what you're singing. But he said, it's awesome. Definitely a new song. <laughs> you know what he started doing? He started toning them down. When he'd hear me go off like that, he'd play behind it. And he'd shut all of them down, and he'd play behind it. And I'd be just standing there singing at top of my lungs with my eyes closed and didn't even realize the whole church was sitting there not doing nothing. <laughs> You'd say, oh, that's not. No, I was gone. I wasn't there for you. I was, <sighs> I was. But that didn't even fly good in church. People had to figure out. Youth pastor came to me crying. About five months in, we were sitting talking one day at a table, and he just burst out crying. We were just talking. And his heart just got smoked because of some answers and things that were coming out of me. He started crying. I said, what's going on? Are you okay? He said, well, I need to apologize to you. I said, what? He said, I've been judging you from the day you walked in. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just told my wife, boy, this guy needs attention and he really needs it bad. You see how quick snap judgment you can get? I was at a teen challenge center, and I walked in there, and I was meeting people in the foyer and talking to people, and the pastor said, oh, man, why did I let this guy come? He said, this is about as plastic as it gets. He said, ain't nobody that nice, and ain't nobody that sincere, and ain't nobody that happy. He confessed it all later with tears after his wife was healed, after his retired pastor was healed because he couldn't do the stairs anymore, and after they watched a guy, 19, that was born with a messed up thing, in his leg get totally fixed when the two other boys prayed for him. God just showed up in the place. He stood up and cried and said, when he walked in the foyer, I judged him. He said, how shallow we can be, and I'm the head of this ministry trying to teach you guys God moving in something God would never move in. That's what he said. Ain't that something? Yeah. So, why are we saying all this? You getting something out of this? Jesus said, don't you ever judge with outward appearance. You judge with righteous judgment. You never read a book by the cover. If you read the book by the cover, you might miss the chapter in the middle. That's amazing. Yeah? Good deal. Let's pray something and then we'll close out. We'll do something to close. I was just looking what we need to do. You guys encouraged? Yeah. Listen, he paid for this, right? So I'm just I'm not a real fancy guy. I mean, listen, I'm point blank, blunt kind of fella. Life's a privilege, life's a gift. It's not a grind. It's only a grind if you're living it outside of purpose. Life is full of grace when you understand why you're here. But here's the deal. What I'm talking about, you got to apply faith to, and you got to begin to steward your own heart. And every day you wake up, you got a purpose just to be with him and understand why you're here and why he's in you. Come on, it's not any, it's not any more complicated than that. It's that simple. My whole family could not want anything to do with Jesus, I still have to answer in my conscience what I'm going to do with him. I still got to answer with faith, what am I going to do with him? Look, you guys could all say, this is rubbish. I don't even know why we come here. You could all walk out the door. I know that's extreme. It ain't going to happen. I'm just using it because it's extreme. I still have to answer what I'm going to do with this gospel in my heart. You get it? You're going to stand before him someday, and I'm not saying that to make you fear. I'm saying that because that's where you have to live by faith. Every step is taking me to that day. Faith understands what I'm saying. Now, you can disregard and you can get nonchalant about that, but faith understands what I'm saying. You're closer now than you ever were, and every step you take is taking you to that day. Life is a gift. Throw away complaining, throw away self-centeredness, throw away thinking about you. Start thinking for the kingdom and thinking for others, and you'll find freedom. In the midst of trials, you'll find freedom. I am preaching something that says you'll never have trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And some people are too eager to say, amen, brother. But the Lord, he delivers them out of them all. He says he heals the brokenhearted. You know what we think? We think we leave here and go get bro- our hearts broken. We come back and he makes us feel better. We go out and get our heart broken, come back and make us feel better. No, he heals the brokenhearted. He gives me a perspective that guards my heart and keeps me from brokenness. Yeah? Ain't that something? So he heals the brokenhearted. Some ministers spend their whole life in ministry having order calls telling. Some of you were at work this week, and it was hard, and you know it, and your boss didn't appreciate you, and then you came home, and your spouse was having one of them days, and I know it seems like sometimes the whole world's pressing on you, but there's one that's for you, and he is good, and his and people, Amen. His name is Jesus, and you need to come up here. I know some of you are so weak and weary from this week, and some of you are leaking vessels. You're supposed to leak on people, by the way, not through cracks, and he say, and then you need to all come up here and just receive ministry, and God is going to heal the brokenhearted in this place and people would just come pouring up sobbing and weeping knowing that they're going to need to come up here again because life's tough see our, our goal is not to get them to feel better our goal is to teach them why they don't have to be broken are you with me so the just shall live by amen so let me pray something over you and then we're going to close and we're going to do something okay will you participate with me it's only 25 after 8. Actually, we didn't do too bad, did we? Started early, 6 o'clock. Whew. I thought, man, I hardly preached, but I have preached for a while. I feel revved up. I feel, I feel good, though. I feel finished. Actually, it's rare I feel finished. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you for simple, just simple, holy, amazing conviction. Just let light shine upon our hearts and expose the things that are dark around us, perspective-wise, just the things that are trying to lure us in or distract us away from the real reason why we're all here and the real reason why you're inside of every one of us. Man, did you not pay an amazing price to come live inside of each one of us? Let us see the purpose and the meaning of it all. Let none of us get reduced to survival or just making it to the end. God, let us be infueled and empowered, anointed and our cups running over so the light so shines before men. Together, let there be a synergism in this community of Christ in us and among us. And let the people of this community be touched by who you are and who these are in the workplace, in the families, in all our relationships, in all our spheres of influence, without trying so hard. Let this finished work and a new perspective bring in great fruit and great harvest. I pray, God, I pray that the strong get stronger. I pray that those who feel weak, let the weak say I'm strong. And I pray that the truth would come and rescue every heart. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 We're going to do something quick just because I want to. The Lord's not telling me to do it. I just feel like I can do it, and he'll let me right now. I just want to. I do it a lot when I travel. I just want to pray for the sick, and uh, we're going to do it a certain way. I'm going to take a little bit of time and do it the way that he tells me to do it. Every once in a while, I cut it short and do it different. But tonight, I think we got grace to do this. Is we okay for about a 20-minute roll and just see some things happen and good things in the room? Would you be okay with that? So you'd be like, really, okay, if Jesus comes in and changes some things and fixes some bodies and stuff. Okay, good. So uh, we don't need, uh, I'm not gonna, we're not going to use any worship. Not that I love these guys. They know it. I still got your CD, man. I played that thing, too. Where is he at, Brandon? I, where is he? He disappeared on me. But I do. I played the CD. I got you. This, that was years ago you guys did that CD. You're on there looking all young and single. <laughs> now you're married and pregnant. And he's like, I did that. <laughs> that was so funny. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the sick. Why? Well, we're going to pray for the sick because of the forgiveness of sins. Sometimes we pray for the sick because they're sick. And I'm not trying to be weird with this. That's, that's an okay reason. It's not like a But I don't think we understand what brings faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. When I understand that Jesus sees us as if we've never sinned and that he's the redemption of man, he brought man back to original value, then anything that the fall opened up, anything that man's lives opened up, sometimes just living on the earth, just bad things seem to happen, right? So the redemption of man is Jesus Christ. So because of the forgiveness of sins, by his stripes we are? I have faith to actually believe God would dare heal somebody because he forgives all sins you get what I'm saying? So it's the righteous judgment of God that gives me that faith. So that's, to me, the number one reason that I want to pray for the sick, because she forgives sins. Are you with me? Okay. Sometimes we're just straight up sentimental. Would you agree? We just pray for the sick because they're sick. They're crying. They haven't slept. The pain's terrible. And it's not hard to get emotionally involved and pray. But some of us have been discouraged in that arena. We haven't seen things changing. Sometimes we draw back and don't pray anymore, which means we're thinking too deep and making it about us. And this is what I've learned. Be honest and stay humble with me tonight here. The number one reason I've found that Christians personally don't pray for the sick is because they're afraid nothing will happen. So they bring their sick friends to other people and let them pray. (laughs) Number one reason we pray for the, don't pray for the sick is because we're afraid nothing will happen. So if you don't pray for the sick because you're afraid nothing will happen, guess what you already have? <laughs> nothing. So that can't be right. So tonight we're going to pray for the sick. When we pray for the sick, there's a lot of sickness out there. There's a lot of definitions, categories. There's a lot of symptoms. I get it. But I'm going to keep it real simple and break it into two. There's, there's people you'll pray for on the streets, in public. If you take the liberty, Roy said they prayed for a bunch of people this week. I like that. You can just stop people anytime. any time. The worst they can probably do is tell you no thank you. Well, I guess they could pull out a 9 millimeter and shoot you. I don't know, but I guess that's the worst they could do. But, but here's the good news. None of you are going to die. So you already won, see? But, but I just thought, you know, maybe the worst they could do is more than say no. But you're not going to die. Do you know that's how we get through death? We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We understand the gospel that it's never death. It's always life. It's how we get through, because it's always life. So we're going to pray for the sick tonight. But if you ask people to pray for they're going to. who's ever been in a grocery line or a line somewhere, you're just standing, and there's people around, you'll hear somebody talking about the trouble they're going through, or, man, I'm so glad I don't have this migraine today. I thought for sure I'd have it. It's due to hit me any moment. Because I've been getting them so frequent, and I haven't had one now for three days. It's just going to have to come on here soon. But man, it's just incapacitating me, and I can't even function. Who's ever heard stuff like that? You'd be in the lunchroom, and somebody, one of your coworkers, is just talking about something, right? I've taken my liberty for a long time now. I've been saved 23 years in June. I've taken my liberty when I hear those conversations. I just, I just say, "Hey, excuse me. Hey, I couldn't help but to hear what you said. I mean, I'm standing right here, and you know, I've been in lines and stuff, and it's so funny. You know, you just because." And my my pastor told me years ago, he said, well, he said, you know, I think people tend to open up their heart and they don't even know it's a spiritual thing because there's an answer right there. The anointing's there and all that. And it does. It seems like amazing how Christians get around people and then people just say, well, people just talk about the trouble all the time. But I don't know. It seems like so obvious to me sometimes. It's like I'll be getting on an airplane. Somebody right in front of me or right behind me or right beside me. And we're seat belted. (laughs) and and they'll just start telling you uh, but here's the thing if if you hear that with a a migraine they don't have the migraine right now and they're like wondering when it's coming because they think it's right around the corner so when you pray for them what are you doing? it's the same exact faith as if they had the migraine you follow me? and don't make one easier than the other don't say well they're the ones I want to target because (laughs) then I won't know if they're not healed (laughs) that's Self-preserving. That's a self-centered thing. So what you do is you pray for them the same exact way. And you'd be something like this. Excuse me. Hey. You know, and you talk to them about what you heard them saying about that migraine. Man, that that sounded tough. They've been hitting you hard. Oh, crazy hard. It just happened to me at a little airport a couple weeks ago. I was doing a little puddle jumper. I got on a plane. It was five of us flew on an eight-man plane into a way into a cornfield town. And we're all waiting there to get on, and the guy was talking to the guy about these extreme headaches that he gets all the time. And I said, hey, do you have one now? He says, no, thank goodness I don't have one now. I said, listen, man, I know we got to get on the plane, and I know I don't even know you, and you don't know me. Nothing freaky, nothing weird. I'm just going to be blunt, okay? Please let me pray for you. Please don't say no. That's how aggressive I was. (laughs) Please let me pray for you. Please don't say no. God is so good. Jesus is real, and I've seen him change things, and... Hopefully you're a believer, but I didn't even take the time. I just want to pray for you, man. Because we're, there. He said, no, that would be awesome. Good. Fire, God. No, I, I, just, I didn't. I, stop that. See, you guys like that. You want that. Just fire. Here's my goal. I just want him to never get another one. I just want to love him the best I can, and, and he never get another one because Jesus is real and loves him. That's my goal. My goal's not thunder, lightning, and him shaking. I just want him to never get another one, because if he doesn't ever get another one, he is not going to not think about that moment. And he's going to look right to Jesus. And in his heart of hearts, he's going to know it was God. Yeah? But if I don't sow, nothing's growing. The kingdom of God is if a man scatters seed. You've got to plant something if something's growing. You can't just pray for your community. That's good. But you got to sow into it if you're praying for it. Are you with me? So I just said, man, and he said, no, that's cool. And I said, Father, I thank you for your amazing love for this guy. Headaches, you leave him. Don't you ever come back. Bam, bam. I prayed maximum. It was probably six, eight seconds, maximum. Yeah? I said, amen. He said, thanks a lot, man. I said, are you kidding? Jesus is amazing. He paid a price for this, man, and I'm just going for it. Because of that, I've seen a lot of things change. He said, that's awesome. So believe it, you're not going to have him anymore. And when you don't, you're going to know why. I just smiled. and We kind of fizz-bumped or grabbed hands or did something. And then we got on our little eight-man plane. And, and uh, I couldn't check with him, right? Let's just say he had a headache. And we prayed for him. Well, we all, we all want the headache to just disappear, so that's a no-brainer. I've seen that. You pray, and boom, he's like, whoa, are you kidding? I had a little girl. She had a migraine so bad with her mom, and as soon as I just barely opened my mouth, it went, and just left her, and she freaked out. She was like in shock because it was gone, and the fear of the Lord came on her. So that was a no-brainer. That was like, oh, my God!" She's, ah! But what we're afraid of, we're afraid of it not leaving. I'm afraid of not loving. Because if love never fails, why would we fail to love? And how can we expect something to grow if we haven't sown? So I'm not thinking about it not changing, I'm thinking about not loving. Are you with me? She so gotta put herself in this position. It's a sign of not loving our own lives. And you pray. But I understand the sincerity side saying, Well, yeah, but if it don't go away, I'm just gonna feel terrible. No, no, no. You pray for her or him. No, it still kind of hurts. See, that's our worst fear. So it hurts the same. Yeah, it's kind of the same. Look, I know you're in a rush. You got to get back. Yeah, I got to get to lunch. Listen, I'm so humbled by the fact you would let me just talk to you, get involved and pray. What we just did is real to me. Bible says if I lay hands on the sick, believing they shall recover. I'm just expecting that this thing is shifting, changing, that it won't keep coming back. You'll see, I'm just trusting. I just don't believe it's possible to wrap faith around something like this with God loving you and something not changing You see what I'm saying? And you release your faith. It's not a cop-out. It's not a plan B. It's what you believe. Faith is a, it's a verb. It's not a noun. It's faith. It's believe. You believe and keep on believing. It's not a point in time. It's not a hit or miss or a win or lose. Or, well, let's go for it. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's not faith. Faith is he loves them, and he does things like this. And then they walk away, and you walk away. And look, all you've done is sown a seed. At worst, you showed them you're sincere and that you care about them enough to take what you believe and take time to believe for them. Wonder, see, I paint these pictures. wonder if they get around the corner, and they go, that was strange, man. They didn't even... They didn't give me a card, try to get me to pray, nothing. They didn't invite me nowhere. It was almost like they just, I was freaking. It was like they had no agenda. They acted like they just genuinely cared about me. Because almost everybody has their brow raised and wonders what's in it for you and what's next and where's the catch. I wonder if there is no catch. And they don't even get that until you walk away. I wonder if they don't even let their guard down until you walk away. But you just open the door for God to come. Because wonder if they're sitting in their car and they go, Man, it's almost like they cared. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes in their car. I wonder if he says, I've cared about you from the beginning. And now they're just five minutes into the encounter. And you're over there thinking, man, they didn't even get healed. Man, I wonder why I ain't walking in no anointing. Yeah. Here's what I want to do real quick. Or my 20 minutes is going to turn into 45 or an hour and 20. Because I, man, I'm a talker, huh? I'm a, t- I'm a teacher. I can't do nothing, just quick. We got to teach. We got to leave a deposit. Here's what we want to do. Please don't not participate if you're in the room and think it's religious. I don't think there's one stitch of religion about this. I think this is real, and I believe we're going to have fruitfulness, and I believe there's going to be results in this room that can't be stopped. I'm just telling you. So if you have a condition in your body that if you were healed right now, you fit that first description, we'll do the second group second, And you wouldn't know it. There'd be no way to physically, tangibly test your body. You'd need time or a test or it comes and goes and it's not there now. There's just a condition that's less than wholeness that you've been faced with. But if it would be healed tonight, there'd be no way for you to tangibly, physically know except just in your heart believing you were healed. I need you to stand your feet real quick. We're going to pray for you. Please don't stay in your seat if you fit that description. Why would you stay in your seat? I know why. Some people say, well, I told myself I ain't standing up no more because nothing ever happens when I stand up anyway, and I'm just tired of being disappointed. Well, that might be the problem. Maybe you're not standing up to be disappointed. Maybe you're standing up to believe and keep on believing instead of hit, miss, win, and losing it and setting yourself up to be disappointed. What is that? That's deception. So then you leave the church, and you go, man, there we go again. Nothing happened again. Bummer. I guess God doesn't even love me. I wonder if he even knows I'm here. Hello? Come on. That's not cool. Here's the only response a believer has when he leaves the room. Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. I so appreciate that you heal and you restore and you make all. Wonder if you stayed in that place and that's the only place you knew. Yeah? Come on. I've seen so many people get prayed for and they take a tailspin. I must be doing something wrong. I wonder what's blocking my healing. wonder why I can never get healed. And then they let the questions far outweigh the revelation and the answers. Look, I don't have all those answers. I know one thing. He loves you. He didn't never send his son. And he gives life and he gives it more abundantly. Asking it shall be given. We're going for it. And we ain't going to draw a line. You see what I'm saying? So I appreciate you people that stood up. Do I need any more or are you all up? Don't make me go fishing or wait. Come on. Do I have everybody up? There's a couple people that I need up. You all good? I'm, I feel like I'm waiting for like three or four. I just need you to pop up if you have a condition. Thank you. That you haven't, you you, you couldn't know if you were healed, but it's there. It's a situation. I, I think some of us, I still got like three people I'm hearing in my heart. So please stand up. If this wasn't real, I wouldn't even think I'm hearing three. I'd just pray. I got plenty of people standing already. But I want you all involved. Thank you. I got two more I'm waiting on. Thank you. I think I got one more. unless. Somebody over there, did he just stand up over there? Yeah? Yeah, just stood up, and then I got him. Good, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Okay, listen, when I hear numbers, this is real. Watch. Why would the Lord give me a specific number, and I believe for him, and wait, and not have him stand up, and or not pray till they stand up? Because I believe something's going to happen, and he wants you all involved. Because if it wasn't real, and we didn't have, why would I hear a number? We could just go ahead and pray. we got plenty of people standing. I like that. Okay, we're not going to take long with this. When we pray for you, here's all I want you guys standing to believe. This is all I want you to do. Don't clench your teeth and try to receive. I <laughs> know, <laughs> I'm just being funny. And don't pray in tongues and don't even pray. Seriously, all I want you to do is do this in your heart. Believe he loves you or he'd have never send his son. And don't let whatever it is you're standing because of interfere with his love for you because that has nothing to do his love is settled by the fact that he sent his son you got to get rooted and grounded in love so faith works through love and pushes this aside if this has the power to question his love then we've never been established in love you get it so we're going to pray for him if you're sitting near him and you just want to tap him and say hey i'll take your hand or just don't violate him don't guys don't put your hand in the middle of a lady's back or something just just get somebody's attention Say, hey, I'm going to agree with you right now. We're going to pray real simple, real short, and we'll be done. I'm telling you, this is, this is going to be so fruitful. You watch. You make sure you testify. You share with each other as time unfolds. Whatever it takes for you to know you're healed. Two days, time, a test. You make sure you let people know, hey, man, we got to keep on praying because I'll tell you what, that thing changed. Father, right now, we thank you for holding us all through this room. If you're praying for them, if you just tapped them and said, hey, I'm going to stand with you, just say, be healed in Jesus' name. Just say that. Just complete wholeness. That's right. Father, not one more symptom ever returned. Everything that was was in this room that they stood up for, everything involved, you know, you see the whole room at once. You're amazing. Everything gone from their lives right now in Jesus' name. Father, total wholeness, we proclaim it. Yep, no more. No more symptoms. Yeah, no more flashback, no more. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Good, good. Sit down real quick. So, so we did that. Hey, we moved her along pretty good. So I'm trying to hurry out, and we don't need to get out of here super late. So now we know what the second group is, right? So if you have sickness in your body, and you would know if you were healed, you could have a tumor protruding out. You could have. You could have any. Last week, this guy was colorblind, and he was apparently born colorblind, and his like. I, I'm not a technical guy, forgive me. Like a, a hashtag or his... Whatever his identity was on one of these networking things, he he, his name is colorblind. Like, hashtag colorblind. Whatever that means, the whole hashtag thing, I don't even know. I mean, they say webpage years ago. I used to think somebody found a spider in an old book. It's webpage. I didn't know. But... But his name was colorblind. He's from Florida. So he stood up for prayer and everybody prayed and he's been that way, you know, so he, it impressed me that he stood up. I think he just sees flat, dull, like browns or greens or whatever. So they prayed for him. They show him, they bring color up on the phone. I don't know, people do everything with their phones. He says, this guy just pulls up this color wheel or something and he, he says, can you see that? And he says, dude, whoa. He's looking at purple and he's like, whoa, because he's never seen it, ever, he's 30s, 30 years old, something, he's never seen purple, he goes, whoa, he looks, he says, that lady got a top on exactly like that, and they're like, whoa, dude, that's purple, (laughs) isn't that sweet, I don't know about you, but that's just cool, that's just, to me, that's just Jesus, just, it just was cool, and there was a whole lot of things that happened in the room, and it was fun. A whole lot of things. There was, there was tears. There was things that were changed 15, 20 years. Watch. Prayed for a lot. You say, why that night? Dan, you must be anointed. We're under your umbrella of anointing. Stop. <laughs> Simplicity, teaching, and getting us out of the way is what I believe. I think we pray too hard. I think we try too hard. I think we get self-conscious a lot of times when we pray. I think we get tricked into thinking it's our prayer that heals the sick instead of our belief in him. Who's ever prayed for the sick and you got self-conscious and tried to pray right? Pray powerful. Got more aware of what you were going to say than what you were believing. Be honest. Who's ever done that? Who knows what I'm saying? See how that's the majority. You got degenerate stuff. You got bone on bone. You got herniated things. You got disjoint you got tore rotator cuff you got knee stuff whatever it is but if you were healed you could take your time without hype without the music jamming without you trying to make the big brown-eyed girl that prayed for you not hurt and feel bad and tell her that's called lying by the way (laughs) without any of that you could actually check your body and go wow i got healed healed. you being healed right now that's good what's What's, what's going on? I have diabetes. Do you remember me? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have diabetes, and I had a vessel burst in my eye. Yeah. And the doctor told me that I was blind in this eye, and I can, I can see now enough to see how many fingers you are holding. On.
1: Okay. So you can see
0: that? You can see my fingers? Yeah. I see two.
1: Three. Okay. Three fingers. Yeah.
0: Okay. We're going to pray. You stay right here. You're going to be mine. I'm going to stand with you. we <laughs> Just stay right here. I'm going to pray for you. I usually don't get involved, but he captured my heart. You okay standing there for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you sure? Because I'm teaching. I mean, it might be a long minute. No, we're good. Come on. Stand to your feet. If you need healing in your body, and if you were healed tonight, you'd be able to check your body, and you would know it. Please stand to your feet. Don't make me wait. Don't make me go fishing. I'm a good fisherman, by the way. But don't. We shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to call you out of your seat. Just stand up. Don't hold back. Come on. There's arthritis stuff. You need to stand. There's there's people still sitting that it ain't right when you walk up and down stairs. You're not yourself and you know it. You don't have the ability you used to have. You have pain and you have weakness. I need you to stand. There's there's a handful of people you didn't get up, and you need to get up for that. Don't just just don't accept it and just call it normal. Don't say it's aging. Please don't buy into that. Seriously, don't. Come on. I was in a service like this and couldn't get the last person. I said, I need a lady to stand up. You got it. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm sitting there. And he said, I said, you were in your kitchen this week. You tried to open something in your kitchen and you didn't have the strength to open it. And you cried. And you said, something is wrong with me. I used to be able to open that with ease. And I can't even. And she just went. She just stood up. And I said, don't make me go fishing. Because we shouldn't. That's like, we don't have to do that. Come on, get to your feet. If I'm waiting on anybody, jump to your feet right now. If you've got anything less than wholeness and if it was healed, you would know it. Thank you. And don't be like, well, I vowed I'll never stand up in a service like this because nothing ever happens anyway. Please, I would challenge you to stand up. Okay. So here's what we're going to do raise your hands real high if you're standing. No, you don't have to. I got you. <laughs> you're mine. The people sitting, you didn't know this, and you don't have to, but I would strongly encourage you to do this. We got a lot of people. No, just one hand. You guys, they're all in worship mode. Look at you. You guys are awesome. They're all like... Just one hand. We just don't want to lose you in the crowd. Watch. The people sitting, you're my prayer team. Okay? So I want you to go around, get get one person, one-on-one. We need everybody to cover all these hands till every hand's down. As soon as somebody claims you, have fun with it. If you're really uncomfortable get involved. If you say, oh, I'm weirded out. I want you on my team because you won't be overconfident. Don't anybody pray yet. Don't anybody pray yet. Just go get a person that has their hand up. As soon as they claim you, put your hand down. So we know we have everybody. Put your hands down. Put your hands down when they claim you. Only keep your hand up if nobody's with you. Hey, I got a four hands right in the middle over there. Can you guys kind of make your way out so people can get to you? Slide out of the aisle or something. Hey, can I have people to go to? Two ladies and a guy over here. Can you go stand with them? Everybody covered? Okay, here's the deal. Now watch. First do this. Just take three seconds. It's take quick. Just give them the short version. I already know what I'm praying for here. Quick version. Three seconds while you stood up. Tell your person what you're believing for, what you need healed. Tell them real quick. Three seconds. It shouldn't take long. Okay, you all ready? You guys ready? So here's the deal. There's no music plan, We're not hyping this thing. Just a straight up. Now watch. It's for your sake. I'm only going to give you six seconds to pray. No, seriously, that's for you. Watch. They nobody in here can get in trouble in six seconds. Watch. You can't even get self-conscious in six seconds. Because whatever they told you, watch. If they said arthritis pains going up and down stairs, like I'd ask people to step, and they say, My knees are degenerate, and I got arthritis in my hips. Arthritis, you leave their body in the authority of Jesus' name. Every pain you go, Father, total wholeness in Jesus' name. Who knows that's like six seconds. So you just pray what they, they got bone on bone. Father, I thank you. No more grinding, no more pain, total cartilage. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Right? They say, I have a tour rotator. God, Father, I thank you for a whole shoulder, complete rotation, total mobility, and no more pain because you love them, Father, in Jesus' name. Who knows? We can pray exactly what they're standing for. We can speak that thing out, say to the mountain, believe the mountain to move for one reason, because he loves them. And because he loved them, he paid a price through his son. So watch. It's not your prayer that heals the sick. It's your faith in what he accomplished and his love for the person. You get it? Didn't that make it really simple? Does that like feel like yay? Like nobody has to produce the powerful, perfect prayer tonight. All we got to do is believe the right thing, that he loves people. And that's why he sent his son. Are you all ready? You got six seconds. So I'm going to, when I say go, I'm going to pray for him. And and as soon as I'm done, I'm going to tell you guys, okay, stop. When you stop, I want you to acknowledge God's love for them. So say we're praying and. And, 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 Father, in Jesus' name. And when I say, okay, wrap it up, you say, Father, because you love him. I always encourage people to acknowledge the love of God. I feel like it's something we've held back too long. We just need to know he loves us. Amen? So acknowledge God's love in Jesus' name. And then I want you to thank God he loves you if you were prayed for. And then begin to check your body thoroughly, however that means, right? And then I went, as soon as you know you're healed, I want you to let us know. And then we're going to take a couple testimonies. Now, watch. If you feel somewhat healed or you feel 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent better, tell your person, hey, no kidding, man. I'm like 70 percent better. That's amazing. Yeah, listen, Father, thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for that other 30 percent. You're finished work because you love them, God. Thank you for wholeness. And then check them again. Amen. (laughs) What are you doing? Standing here receiving. Are you receiving? Good. So so you see what I'm saying? So, so we're going to pray. And if you feel like somewhat healed, pray again. If you stand there and say, man, nothing changed in my body, please don't say, well, here we go again. I knew that. Nothing ever changes. Don't do that. Or if this is the first time you stood and it doesn't change, don't think too fast, okay? I want you to say, Father, thank you. You're doing the work of me. Listen to a couple testimonies. Thank God for what he's doing in people and in the room. And thank God for what he's doing in you and then check your body again. Amen. Last week, while they were testifying, I think twelve people got healed while people were testifying and they were listening with a right attitude, going, Wow, that's awesome, God, thank you. Man, you're doing a work in this room and they'd go, oh. and then you it was so funny, they'd be like, oh. And they would just freak out. And said, two ladies just started crying. It was like, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. I was just standing there. It's just gone. It's just gone. I said, what? Well, I was in this car wrecking for all these years. Blah, 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 blah. I said, 24-7. 24-7. She said, it's completely gone. And then all of a sudden, they're all thanking God and checking everybody. Woo! Another one. It was just like popcorn in a bag. It was cool. Why? Because we're not letting go. We're not getting discouraged. We're not growing weary and well doing. And we're not turning faith into a point in time. Position of our heart. Are you all ready? Now, you didn't forget what you're praying for, did you? Okay. Are you ready? You got six seconds to love them, look at them real quick and make them uncomfortable, and just know that they're precious to God. I got you guys so raring to go. I just need to shoot the gun. Are you ready? Six seconds. Give them the kingdom of God, the love of God through simple faith and prayer, and let's watch and see. You watch and see what God does in this room. You ready? Pray. Six seconds.